welcome to the 11th episode in our first series of the So Ab Fab podcast. I'm Ali and I run Bobbin Sewing School and my co-host is Caroline of the sewing business So Ab Fab. How are you today, Caroline? Hi, Ali. All good. Hello, everybody. So in our podcast, we introduce you to guests that are integral to home sewing or have connections to the sewing industry. Many of our guests have small businesses and all provide necessary resources and products to help you as sewers. Thanks, Caroline. That's okay. <laughs> Our 11th episode. We I know. Have, I know. <laughs> We've had some really good interviews, haven't we? We have. Um, I mean, looking back on this series, it's been quite varied. And for a first series, I think it's been really interesting. Um, and I hope the listeners feel that too. And, and I am already buzzing about the second series and who we've got lined up. Yeah, so am I. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Ali, last week you were telling us about the garments that you needed to make for your special occasions that are coming up. Are you any further forward? Um, so I did cut out a pattern. Ooh. <laughs> I'm I'm really sort of like I'm I've got other things to do, but I did cut out a pattern thinking I need to make a start. So I have decided to go down the wrap dress line. Lovely. I know. Um, I did look at the cashmerette one. Um, Was it jersey? No, I've got a woven fabric. So I, I did look at the cashmerette, the new yeah. cashmerette pattern. Yeah. Then I decided to have a look through my existing patterns because we yeah. have them. And I did find one that was a free one in a magazine. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to work with that one. So I've gone down that route. I know what I want to do. It's lovely. Be hacked and hashed, but hacking and hashing is Beautiful. good. Yeah, beautiful. Yes, yes. So when's this got to be done by Ali? Uh the end of July. So it's not too bad. I have got right. a bit of time. I've got a lot of other things to do in the process. Yeah. I've got till the end of July. So they're very nice. Yes. yes. That'd so be lovely. It will, it will. So yeah, so that's my so that's my sewing plans, Caroline. Is the wrap dress. What have you been making this week? Uh, I haven't been making, but like you, I am at the cutting out stage. So I have decided that I need three dresses very, very quickly, um, <laughs> as in two days for one oh, of them. Okay. <laughs> right. So what I'm are you down my favourite indigo uh, pattern. So, in fact, I've used Tilly for both, Tilly and the buttons. So two are exactly the same, and but different fabrics. Okay. And, and one, I'm going down the indigo route with the add-on pack. Um, so, uh, yes, so I, I do need to get a bit of a motor on. I have to say Tilly and the buttons patterns, once you get going, are fabulous for quick yeah, sews. They are. They are actually, they are. And they are great for, they're great for, for everybody's shape actually, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. They haven't gone up to the larger sizes yet. But oh no, she's doing. Is she? Good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so good. I think the Billy, times then. No, the Billy, um, dress and her pajama pattern goes right up now oh, I think oh that's, yeah oh that's good yeah fantastic yeah, so she you knows she is doing so good. Good for her. yeah so I mean get us Ali maybe by the autumn we'll have new wardrobes <laughs> don't hold your breath I know don't laugh Ali oh don't hold your breath for me anyway you know what it's like they'll be cut out and they'll be put to one side and they'll stay forever cut out I know, I know, I know. And, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? With lockdown, 
I thought I didn't achieve very much during that time, but actually I probably did. And I just didn't really realize it because now I've got no time. <laughs> no, no, no. But you have started your quilting. I saw that on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. I have. Yeah, lovely. Hustling that rainbow. <laughs> you are hustling that rainbow. Even if you're not reading the instructions, Ali, you're hustling that rainbow. I know. I know. Oh, no, I did read the instructions. I just flipped a bit. So it's totally <laughs> not my territory. I, I really admit. Patchworking, I admire everybody's patchwork. Oh, hats off. Oh, absolutely. Hats off. And they are beautiful and I love looking at them and I'm like, oh yeah, I could do that. I could do that. And then when I come to do it, it's just not my territory. I love doing it. I, I, I would say, say that. It's funny, isn't it? I say do you? Do you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I love the idea. I love yeah. the idea. The idea. And like the end product. Yeah, the end product. Yeah. 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 I, I totally I, get I that. Think, I just think I'm sort of like inspired by the wonderful creations everybody else does. And I think it's one of those things, isn't it? If you know you can do it, does that mean you have to do it? No. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. I know I sat and cut out my Liberty scraps ready to do my English paper piece in and everything else. I have three little hearts made and I will do more, but it is, it's very much a slow process. And I think where we need so much doing so quickly at the moment, it's often put on the back burner. Yeah, I'd love to find that textile related uh, thing that I can say is completely, like I love using a sewing machine. But yeah. I use it all the time. And I think, oh, I'd love to find some hand stitch. Yeah, that actually grasped me and grasped and got my attention. Mm. It, does, it does grasp me. It does get my attention. Don't get me wrong. But something just is like you need that little spark. Yeah, you like, do. It's a bit like a love affair, isn't it? You need that fluttery feeling. Yeah. I don't get it with patchwork. I should do yeah. that. No, I should do. It's like, it's like saying, okay, well, yeah, he looks good. He looks nice or whatever. And yeah, we can go on a date. But do they, does it give me that fluttery feeling? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have never, ever, ever heard Patrick put alongside dating. Oh, Ali, I'm just too tired to laugh at you. <laughs> oh, you have me. <laughs> uh, but I totally get where you're coming from. I really do. I, I, yeah, I'm. I quite like foundation paper piecing. Having to use my brain to do that, um, and I do like English paper piecing. But yeah, so my first date then. My patchwork. <laughs> yeah, get a second date, but my patchworking. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know whether it's my maths or what it is. It's just not. No. yeah I just yeah it's not for me I said yeah I just like thank you very much but no thanks yeah, yeah. Yes. now we have offended half our listeners I hope you realize that. because they 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 might do something that I do that I get pottery feeling for but I they might not get it I mean that's the thing isn't it you know However, I am seeing this date right through to the end with this hustle that rainbow. <laughs> oh, Annie, I, I hope I hope it is a love affair right to the end, and it doesn't end up in the bin like our other quilting projects. Oh no, no, I've never thrown them in the bin. Never quilted. No, they, no, but they are stored in the in the reuse pile. 
<laughs> oh right okay yeah. <laughs> no I, I'm almost there with one I'm... <laughs> I should look forward to it I think maybe at the end of series two we'll have a big unveiling of our patchwork projects yeah mine maybe... will still be the size of a postage stamp but you'll have a quilt top I will. I definitely will have a quilt top. I will be seeing that through. Yes. yes oh, no, I'm going to see my English. I actually enjoy hand stitching. So my English paper piecing, um, the bit I don't enjoy is cutting around the templates. Oh, yeah. It's that fat. Yeah, if they were, if the fabric was pre-cut and I just had to stitch it, I'd happily just sit and stitch. Yeah. 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 So, um, but anyway, enough. So let's introduce our next guest. Yes, yes. So Caroline, would you like to introduce her? I will. Today's guest is someone that we've both had the pleasure of working with. Welcome, Di. Hi, Caroline. <laughs> nice to see you, hear you, whatever we'll say here. <laughs> Hi, Di. It's lovely speaking with you. Um, so, Di, you're presently living in California. Is that correct? Am I in the right place? You are, yes. Oh, good. And how is it and how are you? Well, while I miss a lot of people and friends that I had in the UK, you, our little part of the world you really can't complain about living in it's basically sunny and warm year round and so yeah it's been a it's it's a lovely place to live oh wow. lovely. sounds beautiful yes. so we both met you when you approached us to teach some free motion embroidery classes a fabulous skill that you've taught in all the places that you've lived but I have to say you're multi-talented die and an amazing artist and designer also. So what's your favorite area of, of artistry? Is it sewing or do you actually prefer another form? That changes monthly. So sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I don't know, grasshopper, you know. I do something repetitively and for a certain space of time and then I'll move on to something new but I'll always go back to all the things I love so at some points it's textile art sometimes it's selfish sewing sometimes it's lingerie sewing mixed media um, and I incorporate I mix my things together so sometimes I'm doing mixed media but then I add stitching into that so yeah it'll all change week to week month to month bookbinding printmaking brush lettering watercolor painting I have so many crafty things I like doing and most so, yeah <laughs> yeah what amazing I, I mean I know I follow you on social media and I love mm -hmm. seeing your mate mate your latest makes and projects what are you currently working on so at the moment I'm about 60 something days into the 100 day project and I'm doing mostly mixed media for that so I do throw in you know stitch into that and I don't stick to I had a, a plan that I was going to rigorously stick to and I think that lasted a week typical me and then I dive it <laughs> so, so Di um can you tell us a little bit more about the 100 days project because I'm not sure that everybody knows what that is sure yeah so this is actually my first year doing it properly I in previous years I've said oh I'm going to do this and I with the normal rush of life and you're racing off to this or you're traveling or whatever and you I've never been able to stick to it so basically the 100 day project is something very simple and it's whatever you want to make of it it's doing it's saying you will do something every day for 100 days and sticking to it so and it's mostly creative so it's a lot of the people doing it are authors poets so the girl that that 
does a lot of the sort of um, media and whatever around it, Lindsay, she's incredible. And I forget her exact wording, but it was something like you can use it for practice, for production, and I forget the third P. But it was basically like, if you just want to get better at something, if you, you know, so you're going to practice every day, if you want to produce something out of it, like you want to finish a book, that's your, and then you say, every day I need to do a paragraph or whatever it may be, that whatever you need to break it up into so that by the end of the 100 days, you'll have completed it. Um, and the third one was sort of to to have a, a full piece at the end of it. So, you know, you've, you've, um, you've achieved right. a comprehensive yeah so whatever it may be for you she said that you can make it as much time or as little time that that fits into your timetable and your schedule so if you only have five minutes a day we'll do one continuous line drawing every single day that's only going to take you two minutes but if you have more time so yeah it's just whatever you want to do for that hundred days and committing to it and it's mostly on instagram so if you follow the hashtag 100 day project and if you put in this year then you'll be the 100 day project 2021 then you'll see exactly what everybody's doing so oh that sounds wonderful Di but I know you've put your talents as well to better causes and worked with some disadvantaged people both here in the UK and abroad can you tell us a little bit more about that most of that is putting my sewing to good use mm -hmm. and um, so it started leaving South Africa and not working in my field. And so I went back to my crop, my, my hobbies and relied on that to make friends, to fit in. You know. So I was teaching sewing classes in the Berlin International Women's Club. And I had that group of ladies. We made knickers and dresses for a group in South Africa called Sparrow's Nest. They look after a group of children that are orphaned. AIDS is still quite a problem in South Africa. So it's it's AIDS orphans that they look after. And so we sent, I think, 50 dresses and loads of pairs of knickers for them. And then in the UK, I got involved with a group called um, the Purple Fund. Sorry, Purple Community Fund. There you go. PCF. And... Through them, I was teaching sewing classes to at a women's correctional facility. Um, so it, it was one specific correctional facility in the UK. And that was an incredible experience. And it really made me realize that, you know, you think people in prison, it's nothing to do with you or people you would know. But when you chat to the girls there, it's so just lack of the draw, right? Mm. It's the family you're born into that looks out for you, as opposed to what some of them have grown up with, where, you know, they just haven't had any kind of support, support. Or care yeah. or, yeah, you really, when you, when you hear some of their stories, that's really heartbreaking, but mm. you can really be grateful for the care you've that's been put into you and you know the family you've been born into the place you're born it's just when you hear the stories from some of the girls you realize how grateful you should be for the family you've had for the love that's been put into you that you've managed to avoid any of the situations that could get you and when they tell their stories you realize how easily it can actually happen it's through no fault of their own sometimes um, and then the third opportunity that I had was absolutely incredible. I went also with PCF. We went to Tanzania and I was teaching sewing classes. It was supposed to be one group, but when they heard we were coming, 
they um, we got there and they said, actually, you've got three groups. So we had to quickly uh, spend a lot more time and quickly rent and get more supplies so I could show them. But so the three groups we worked with, it was at-risk girls. So it was to provide them, if they learn sewing, there's a lot that they can do. There are, where they are in Tanzania, it's um, sort of at the foot of Kilimanjaro. So there are quite a few tourists that come through there. So there are quite a few little stores that sell African handmade things, but a lot of it is sewn stuff. So as soon as the girls had the skill to be able to do that, there were co-ops that they could join, but the co-op won't take people who don't have a clue what they're doing. They don't train people. So as soon as we could give them their basic training, they could get jobs there. So that was the first group, was the girls at risk. The second group, they're amazing. It's a group of sisters. And I want to say there are about five sisters that look after a, a group of 20 to 30 people that fluctuate that are affected by leprosy. And some of these people are really old. And of course, with leprosy, you lose limbs and you, you know, lose fingers and toes. So the sisters look after these people. It's incredible what they do for them. And the amount of love that they put into it so they they have a young guy that sews for them so we taught him a few different patterns for handbags so he was so selling those directly the sisters are incredible they just they have their own dairy that they i think five or six sisters as i say they run the dairy they look after the people that in their care they run the store that they sell they do um woven blankets um on a loom it's incredible and then they do hand the handbags and a few other sewn things. Yes. So yeah, they were wanting to increase their products, and so I taught them a few bags that I actually taught for the two of you as well. Yeah. Those sewn bags. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Those. Um, and then the third group is um, people with albinism. They just mm-hmm. albinos, which in every other country is politically incorrect, but they themselves refer to themselves as albinos quite happily. So. I'm going to use their terminology. Um, And because of the beliefs um, in that area about albinism, and they're they're really at risk. So they have a, they live in a compound that's got 24, they've got security and they've got very like high fences and whatever, because they really are at threat, uh, under threat a lot of the time. And they support themselves totally with sewn items. And so with them, it was more just adding items into their repertoire. They already had their machines and they had everything they needed. They just needed new patterns and new ideas. And so we, we, they were there, they were super quick. So, but we, yeah, we did some work with them as well. So that was, it was an absolutely amazing experience. And they were just so grateful for what we could teach them. You know, they don't have internet, so they can't just say, oh, let me just look up a new pattern. Like, you yeah. know, we have access to all of this amazing stuff, but they don't have that. So, can, yeah. can I just ask, what was it that you actually taught the women in the prisons here, the correctional facilities? Basic sewing skills. So we taught them how to use machines, how to use so sewing machines and overlockers. In the UK, because the schooling system took out... Um, home economics or whatever you call it there you know you have a generation of young girls that and guys that never learned to use that so I was chatting to a girl that sells made to order um, window treatments and 
cushions and things like that. And she was saying there's an absolute need for people who can sew. And the thing is, there's a gap because it's either in the UK, the people who sew, it's either people like the three of us who are not going to be sewing curtains for, you know, no, no. close to minimum wage, I guess. Yes. Or, and that, you know, those are the only people who have the skills and it's people who, you know, running their own stores, doing it for fun. But there's, you're missing that whole group of, of people who could create really made things for them um so she was saying if we could get the, the girls in prison to that point where they could so she would employ them she like no wow. questions asked once they finished their term she was so that was the system we that was the program we implemented in the prison unfortunately we had a lot of hiccups with it nothing to do with the prisoners they were incredible more to do with how the system works they stop people getting too set in the place they're in they move the prisoners a lot um and that's for very good reason so you know i'm not dissing the what they the work that they do but it meant that we would lose we would just got somebody through to you know three months of training and then they'd be away for a few months until we could fight to get them back at that you know so there were a few hiccups with the project but that was the plan and if it could be implemented, it would be amazing. Yeah. And do you think that there were girls there that were, you know, that, that actually you could see they took this on board and they were really engaging and... Totally, Ali. It was yes. incredible. So it's funny because, of course, the first day I went there, I was very conscious of being in a prison and, you know, yes. so you, you have to be, you have to go through security, you do the pat down, you have to hand in anything, you know, yes. they they check your bags they I wasn't you know you're not allowed to take in your mobile phone even my um apple watch I wasn't allowed to take that in of course because it's you know any, anything like that but I must be honest the second time I was there I'd already forgotten and the girls would say that too they would you know because we're just a group of girls sewing together and yeah. having fun and I, I laughed because the one day we were sewing and I accidentally knocked the scissors off the table and I said to the whoever was standing next to me I was teaching them something so they were all crowded around me and I was like oh, mind your foot and she's like oh yeah I got stabbed in prison by my sewing teacher <laughs> actually um as an as an aside I managed to drop some of those horrible you know the really sharp um Japanese snips I knocked yeah. them off of my table onto my foot they went straight down I had blood everywhere so yes oh, it can be quite quite gruesome one of my friends oh. was sewing and I dropped a pin and she's like, it's it's a combination of the floor's lava yes. and uh, no, where's Waldo and the floor's lava? Because if you, if you find it, but with your toe, you're in trouble. Yeah. We had some amazing seamstresses. I mean, some of the girls who'd never, ever touched a sewing machine were making, um, we had, we did have one client that the girls did sew for and they were, so they were making um, sport leggings for her yes. and the the things that they could produce that we did we had quite a successful we did we sold christmas decorations that the girls had made um and they had done some cross stitch on like little hearts that linen with cross stitch on them really beautiful things and their confidence in this in themselves was such mm. an amazing thing to see that's these girls who when they came in they were like oh this is just another program and all and then you know even at the end when we said to them unfortunately you know we're, we're not going to be able to continue this 
they were like, oh, we've had such a lovely time. It really doesn't matter. We've learned skills. And mm. one of the girls that I know left, she's no longer incarcerated. She's doing something crafty. So lovely. It is lovely. It is lovely. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, you know, it's so humbling to hear these stories. And I'm sure you have memories from all of those different um, experiences. But is there one that stands out that you'd like to share? Is there something that just stands out for you forever? Oh, I think the biggest thing in when we were in Celine, you know, the things we take for granted, that is just, you just assume everybody has the same thing. So we were teaching the girls. I was actually only supposed to be teaching them to make reusable feminine hygiene products mm -hmm. out of fabric. And um, so I, I was saying to them, you know, you can how to attach them onto underwear. And I realized oh, I didn't have a pair of underwear to show them. So I quickly rustled up a pair of knickers. We had everything we needed. There was, you know, it's literally a pair of knickers. It's just cotton, stretch cotton, elastic, and that's that. So I quickly, I had the pattern with me. By chance, I had packed that in. And they were so excited to be able to make knickers because most of them don't own knickers. It's kind of, they considered a bit of a luxury. And with the reusable sanitary wear, they were, the one girl said to me afterwards, she came to me quietly and she said to me, you know, I'll actually be able to finish my schooling this year with these because normally she has to stay home when because she's no she was saying to me always is the brand that they can get there a pack of always I don't know and I wasn't sure if she meant one pack or what would get her through her cycle would cost a quarter of her mother's monthly wages okay. because they're imported items and they're considered luxury they're just out of reach for most people so most of the girls will just skip school when they're on their cycle and so she said to me with these I can actually finish my schooling this year and I thought, like, you know, we just take it for granted. And that was, it was such a, a snowball effect because I taught the, so it was the girls at risk that I was teaching them to. And they went on and taught and taught and taught. So it was that, like, you both know the story. I love telling it. Um, when Nelson Mandela was incarcerated, he, I mean, he was very, very well educated. Yeah. And he noticed that he had all these young men who had had absolutely no access to education so he you know political prisoners I'm talking about yes. so he developed this system the, the, the older men in, in the political prison which was Robin Island at the time he developed they developed the system each one teach one so then they managed to pass sort of an education yes. and a pretty good one too I mean the, the people who it was all men that came out of the Robin Island system thanks to their fellow prisoners actually came out educated and so I thought this like this was a, a living example of yeah. it because when, when we got back in touch with them they had taught the next group and the next group and they had passed on this skill Fantastic. and because in in where they are in um, Tanzania there's a massive t-shirt manufacturing plant and of course, they cut the t-shirts out with those machines that cut through layers and layers. You know, it's like that big saw blade. That's like a, a lot of scraps. And of course, both knickers and the reusable sanitary wear takes very small pieces. And you can sort of fudge mm -hmm. them as long as you've got the stretch the right way. You can even put seams if you need to. So yeah. they were getting all the the um, materials, the you know, the basic materials they needed, they could get that at cost. 
oh, I think they were actually getting that free. So it was something they could actually make. And okay. I mean, you just need a basic sewing machine. As long as you can do straight stitch and zigzag, you're on your way. But yeah. isn't it amazing, you know, you say that there's a, you know, there's a manufacturers there that's creating dozens and well, millions of T-shirts, sorry, not dozens, but millions, dozens of millions of T-shirts that are coming over to be sold for ridiculous uh, pence over here, you know, and yet over in Tanzania, they haven't got the money for pants themselves. Yeah. Isn't that, it's disgraceful, isn't it? It's, it, it, I mean, yeah, there were so many things that yeah. I, when I was teaching, it was the still that same group of girls because we were using the school to teach yes. at. Yeah. Um, so they also, that was the first group that they taught it onto was the school girls because school girls had obviously seen and heard what they were doing. And so the, the older girls taught the school girls. But at some point I, I needed a new roll of thread. And so I was like, you know, if I said it would just be, oh, grab one out of, and they, the girl who was going to get me thread was gone forever. I was like, maybe it's locked in a cupboard or I don't know. And eventually she came back with this little roll of thread and she said, I found one. And it was one that like, the three of us would probably have discarded it was like mm. it is like dusty and old and it was a bit like she had sat there what had taken her so long was that she had sat there because it was all in a big ball and she had sat there and wound it mm. so that we could actually use the thread that was wow you know what we would call spread yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's amazing my little home setup could teach 50 girls yes. easily you know yeah. and it's just what I have at home yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's really sad um, yeah. you know, and I think that's um you know it makes you realize what a terrible world we we are living in unbalanced it's, yes it's very unbalanced but it also reminds it? you what opportunity there is to yes. what what you can do you think oh well, I'm just one person I can't make a difference but actually when it you... made a difference to hundreds of girls yeah. there. Yeah. You? yeah. Yeah. So you amazing. It is amazing. It is it, it, it yeah, as we said, it is a very unbalanced world. Yeah. Um, but you've also lived and worked in Germany. And although fluent in German now, did sewing have an influence on your integration to the German way of life? Absolutely. That's I will have to say that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm fluent in German, but I can hold down a conversation. I can make myself perfectly understood. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of my German skills. I'll say that, but fluent, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sewing played a massive part in me learning German properly. You know, well, no, it, it made me converse and that's the trick so I've been going to classes to learn German but of course you you're with a textbook you're you know and still I was so especially when you're learning like the, you know textbook studying and whatever you're so German is you know you've got your three daddy does you know it's it's a bit more complicated and so and I'm a person who likes things done properly so I was like oh I wouldn't say anything because but now I don't know is it there their house or a the house or a, I was never so I was just not speaking as, and I would instead of somebody would speak to me and instead of just answering I'd be thinking is that grammatically correct and I got it in the right you know sequence is everything correct and by that stage they'd switched to English and you know I'd lost my opportunity to practice German but what made a massive difference for me 
because I sew so much. And firstly, I joined the International Women's Club and I was leading a sewing group. So that was an instant base of expat friends. And, you know, if you feel useful for one, you've got something to engage and to entertain and you've got a group, a circle of people around you that are in a similar situation. So that was my, because I was doing all of that, I also needed fabric. So I'd been going, I discovered this gorgeous little fabric shop and I was going there every other day, you know, to get supplies and whatever. And I was speaking to the German lady who I thought she was German, who owned the shop because her German is absolutely perfect. And that's my friend, Linda. (laughs) And after three months of us chatting the whole time in German, I heard her on the phone one day. I was like, so a lot of Germans, they will speak with the accent of wherever they learned English. So I assumed, because she had quite a clear New York accent, I said, oh, were you an exchange student in New York? <laughs> She's like, no, I'm a New Yorker. Linda, for three months, we've, we've only chatted in German. She was like, yeah, because you needed to practice your German. You said so. <laughs> so she never once told, her, told me that our mother tongue was the same, which was English. But um, that actually made such a difference for me because then I started helping her out with the um, with her shop. And eventually my confidence in German, just that, you know, forcing yourself to, to practice and whatever, she could leave me there on my own. And I was quite confident to help people and totally in German. So Di, you were brought up in South Africa. Um, and did you learn to sew as a child? You know, who influenced you with the needle and thread? <laughs> Definitely, that's, um, so I come from a line of crafters. My gran was an avid knitter right up until she passed away. She would talk about, you know, her knitting for the oldies. But <laughs> she would always, you know, she was a, she was an amazing knitter and cro- she, uh, she also sewed, but she crocheted as well. Um, but my mum loves sewing. So she's always, I mean, just, it's always been a hobby for her, but she's gone as far as pattern drafting. She. Ali, the two of you have a lot in common. She can rustle up a pattern for, and you know, the, the board pattern never stays as it is. It gets altered and changed, and she adds things. That's beyond my skill set. But so, so my mum bought me my first sewing machine. I think I was about nine, and it was one of those lovely old Elmers, the you know those full metal, beautiful, still totally Swiss made. And that machine was an absolute dream. I still use that machine up until we were living in Germany. And I had started sewing handbags and um, it wasn't quite strong enough to go through. I wanted to do leather bases yeah. and that, that was the only thing that machine couldn't do. So actually my friend Linda got that machine. I passed that on to her and um, I got myself a, you know, a modern machine that had a really strong motor so I could do that. But yeah, that's the machine I did everything on. So mm. yeah, it was definitely, definitely. Although, grew up with it I only did fun projects with my sewing machine until I was 19 and that is when my sister dragged me to a sewing class and that was that started my absolute passion for sewing fantastic and you know I've been blown away by some of your machine embroidery and your sewing work you know you're obviously um inspired by particular things and you made a bag and I remember thinking oh that's the most beautiful bag I've ever seen and it had this beautiful bird and it was an African bird do you find your home country inspires a lot of your work I would have to say that's definitely a part of it I know which bag you're referring to the bird yeah, on that yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my absolute favorite bird it's beautiful 
Um, and that little bird, he's, he's not actually, in, in real life, he's a pretty small bird, but it's just, um, he's, it's, just Google lilac breasted roller, and you'll see it's a rainbow of color on that bird. Ali, I actually have to tell you that when we moved into our Midlands house, I added that same bird in stitch and paint onto a blind for our downstairs bathroom. Um, oh. It's yeah, I, it's it's a beautiful bird. But yes, the Africa definitely influences what I do and how, maybe how I do it as well. Um, South Africa's still got a lot of handcraft workers. So you're surrounded growing up with these beautiful woven baskets and the beaded items and you know a lot of the ladies still sew for themselves so you'll see like our housekeeper when we were growing up she always sewed her own church outfits and that meant she would wear her head covering and her, her top and her skirt would all be with her with her it's not an apron, it's like part of the dress that they, it's like a little cover over the dress. And that will all be in what we call African Shweshwe fabric, which actually originally was Dutch, but it came over and it didn't really take off in Holland, but South Africans loved it. So it's now known, I mean, the name Shweshwe is the African name for it in Holland. They call it, I forget, it's got a different name, but it's those, it's generally two colors and the most popular is the indigo and white. They're absolutely beautiful. So yeah, you definitely, and I mean, in South Africa, I mean, we grew up going on bush holidays, what, what every other country calls a safari, but that would be, you know, a winter holiday. It's beautiful and warm um, and it's the right time of year because the, you know, the, in, in the heat of summer, the animals, you never see them because it's too hot and they're, they're hiding there. They're in the shade, but um, in our winter months, it's still lovely and sunny during the day, and then you get the best of the of the animal sightseeing. So we would do that as as holidays growing up, and I think that does being so surrounded and growing up in sort of a more natural world definitely does influence what you create. Yes, yeah, wonderful. Your your work is beautiful. I think people need to look at some of your bits on Instagram definitely <laughs> yeah we've not touched on your other sewing um skills laundry particularly in bra making you're a accomplished bra maker yourself um what <laughs> drew you to make your first bra and what tips have you got for any of us that might like to try well do you remember I was telling you that the very first sewing class I went to was with my sister and that was actually a lingerie sewing class. That was my very first um, paid sewing class. And I, I think the teacher thought, oh dear, when I arrived, because <laughs> I'd not done too much. I mean, I'd always had a sewing machine and my mom used to encourage us to just play. And so, I'd, you know, when I was much younger, I'd made my doll's clothes and I'd made like cushions for my bed and little drawstring bags and things like that, but nothing very well finished or you know I just had fun and just did I, I'm one that I like learning by doing so whenever my mom would try to do proper lessons with me no 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 I wanted to be fun and so she was really good about that she kind of just let me do my own thing and experiment so I get to this this um, lingerie course and the teacher says okay we're going to do serpentine and I my hand up I'm like um what is that and I, I could just see over her face like oh no <laughs> one of those students is like shouldn't be in this class has absolutely no cooking glue but it turned out that I think 
I think there were six of us in that class. To this day, I am a prolific lingerie maker and it's one of my favorite skills. And I still make myself lingerie, I make for other people. And after the class, so because we, the herb shop was one of the few places you could buy supplies, I really, I mean, she was seeing me every other week coming in and getting more supplies. And um, so I think I made the most use of her class, that's for sure. You asked me what I would suggest if you want to get into lingerie making. I love making beckers because they are so quick and so simple and you can adapt them to your exact preference. You can have so much fun with them and they're, so, they're very hard to get wrong. Bras are not something you're going to get fitting in even one or two goes, you're going to be adapting. I mean, there's so many variations to everybody's figure that it's it, you can't take a pack off the shelf and expect it to fit you. So you will be playing and you will be fiddling, but the end result is worth it because once you have a bra that fits you perfectly and it's so comfortable and is made for your body instead of trying to adapt your body into something somebody else, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's well worth the fight, let's put it that way. Oh, what diet's been absolutely loving chatting, lovely chatting to you. And I hope that we can get to chat to you again soon. Um, oh, thank you, Di. And enjoy yeah, your thank day. you. I miss the two of you in the lovely classes. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, my goodness. How amazing Di is. And doesn't that just show you how much sewing can be so... Uh, opening of, of opportunities all over um, yeah I mean, we just don't realize do we I think that you know we've listened to all of our different um, guests over the last few weeks and there have been so many openings that have come yeah and communities that. yes totally and I just think that just her, her interviews just summed up how wide and vast that that opportunity can be so yeah and you know making lifelong friends through a shared hobby yeah absolutely absolutely so caroline what are we going to be doing next week uh so we're meeting in person it has been a long time um, so yes, we are checking out hotels for our sewing retreat. Yes. And uh, so Ali and I are will hopefully record some live chat. Yes. Um, so face-to-face chat instead of Zoom, Zoom calls. Um, so we'll have lots to bring you um, news and bits and pieces and our plans for the future. Yes, exciting, exciting. So I'm really looking forward to that, Caroline, and uh, can't wait to catch up with you. See you in person, in real life. <laughs> I know, I know. I I am very excited. I'm on I'm on countdown. <laughs> I know, I know. It will be fun. It will be fun. So I think we'll have to just sort of think about what we're going to bring our listeners next week. Um, Definitely. But lots of giggles, actually. I mean, we should we need to be serious. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we can be serious. Oh, we can be serious. We can can at times when we need to be. But uh, yes, yes. But then the following week after that, we thought we might open up to questions. So yeah. So if you'd like to email us or contact us via our usual social media links, we would love to hear from you because obviously it will not be an episode if you do not send questions into us. You will just have Ali and I rambling. Yeah, um, and you don't want that. You really, 
you know, put us under a bit of pressure. Send us some, send us some questions. Yes. So that would be a fortnight from today that you will be, we will be hopefully answering your questions. So. Yes. Fabulous. Anyway, if you have enjoyed our podcast so far and you would like to hear more, please do subscribe. You can find more details about us and the links to this show at www.soabfabpodcast.podbean.com and there you will find our website links and social media feeds. Keep in touch and in the meantime, happy sewing everybody! Happy Happy sewing. sewing!